It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I couldn't be more amped up to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Puyan Salehi from Persist IQ, uh, CEO of Persist IQ. And, you know, we're going to talk about a couple things today. You know, there continues to be an incredible amount of innovation in the sales technology space and new applications and new uses of technologies, what people sort of call sales hacks, if you will, don't seem to be appearing daily. And the goal for most of these is to both increase the efficiency and the effectiveness of your selling efforts. And effectiveness being defined as doing the right thing and efficiency being doing the right thing right. So, and right in the case of sales is how do you generate more revenue per hour of selling time? So a good question to ask is, you know, what's in your sales stack or what should be in your sales stack in addition to Persist IQ to improve your sales productivity? We're going to ask our guest, Puyan Salehi, to help us sort it all out. Puyan, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Well, thanks for joining us. So, Tell us a little bit about you. I mean, how'd you start your career in sales or how'd you start your career? How'd you migrate into sales as many people do? And what was impetus for starting Persist IQ? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to talk about that. Um, So let me start by the impetus for starting Persist IQ because that sheds light into your first question. And the basic answer, the short answer is we needed it. Um, my, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we really needed it. My co-founder and I actually had, um, you know, we, we've been building uh, software, B2B SaaS software for quite some time. And we actually had a different product still in the sales space. Um, it was further down in the funnel around um, tracking presentations mm-hmm. um, and decks that you send out. And so, you know, we had this product and we needed customers. It's a challenge that, frankly, a lot of companies and sales professionals face, big and small. And so we did the typical, um, I guess, the typical routine that most folks do is try to find some target customers some prospects, um, try to build some sort of relationship or just initiate some sort of conversation with them, um, see if they'd be a good fit. I mean, your typical sales process. And so in doing that, man, we just ran into so many different challenges um, and I'm really glad early on you mentioned the difference between um, efficiency or productivity and effectiveness. And so what we found is, you know, before trying to even get to productivity and, and efficiency, we were just having a hard time being effective. Mm-hmm. And so when we stepped back and, and actually looked, and, and you know, by the way, we tried pretty much every solution out there on the market, really hoping that something existed um, to make us more effective. And frankly, it didn't. And so that was the impetus for us to, to start it. So we weren't actually, you know, we're both, um, I guess, product guys by, by background and really care about design and workflows. And so this really stood out to us and from what we needed. And frankly, we were selling to other salespeople. So we had the benefit of, I think we talked to probably two to 300 different directors of sales, VPs of sales, sales reps. And, you know, nobody came out and directly said, this is what we need. Um, but you can pick up the, you know, the, you can connect the dots in terms of the challenges that people are, are, are facing. And so combining our needs with the things that we heard from, from people doing this work every day, uh, that was really the, the inspiration for Persist IQ. So what was that niche? What was your need that you sure. were? So in, in, to, to keep it really simple, the, the need was simply, how do I get from point A to point B? 
And point A was I've got a list of prospects. Now those could be prospects I've a lists I've bought. I you know I manually went individually to LinkedIn and built my own list, or you know many different ways to generate leads. But I have that list now. So a list of I, suspects I would call them. Exactly, a list of suspects, um, and. I actually want to get a conversation started with them. I want some sort of response so I can qualify them. And what we found is getting from point A to point B is an incredibly difficult and tedious task. Mm -hmm. Now, we all know in that process, personalization matters a lot. You can't just be blasting people with messaging. And we can talk about the difference between personalization and relevance. But, um, you know, you have to have the right message. But, But persistence also wins. Right? And making sure you're, you're following up and getting the right number of touch points in. And so we found that getting those two and doing it at scale, you know, we were a small team, um, was incredibly difficult. So that's what we initially set out to solve is mm-hmm. how can you do true, authentic, personalized outbound, but be able to do that at scale. And by scale, I don't mean, you know, just blasting. Scale is relative. Um, but it could simply be how do you do that with 20 people per week if you're doing really targeted account? Or how do you maybe do that at, with 2,000? per week as one person. Well, there's a lot of, um, I'm not going to call them, they're not buzzwords, but there's a lot of trigger words that you use there that are really interesting that, you know, the true authentic personalization, Mm -hmm. which, you know, so you and I both attended this conference a few weeks ago in San Francisco called Saster, which was basically the, the gathering place of SaaS company selling software as a service. And lots of talk when they weren't talking about getting their billion dollar valuation. We were talking about sales process and yeah, you walk away from that sort of saying, okay, in this, this space where there's all these platforms being developed for sales development, personalization seems to be nothing really more than lip service is I guess what I'd say being, being kind. Um, Because yeah, if you got a sales rep that's trying to make 50 email contacts a day, really how personalized are they going to be yeah that's uh it's it's a great point and i think and i can person- use myself as an example i mean i i as a result of going to that show and wandering around through the, the exhibit floor uh i've received emails from quite a few of those companies because i scanned my badges and i did that deliberately because i want to see what they're doing yeah know, it's a professional interest right now why would i i wish I shouldn't be getting emails from any of those companies. I'm not a prospect for them because I'm a one or a virtual shop with me and a couple of virtual assistants. And so clearly, you know, they're other than personalizing my name. They hadn't looked at my LinkedIn profile. They hadn't looked at my website. They hadn't done anything. So how, yeah. how do you reconcile this? This, this is to me is a huge issue. You know, how do we really truly and authentically personalize when you're trying to scale? Yeah. And, and I think that the question actually can, can, can change a little bit too. Who should you personalize to? Because uh, I think in, in what you said, and I and I completely agree with there. There are, um, in a, in a way, it ties back to overall strategy and what should you personalize? Who should you reach out to? And one thing we've seen, uh, I mean, you know, we work with lots of lots of different sales teams um, across many different industries. But one thing seems to be common is that a lot of folks today, you know, sales, at least I believe, is both an art and a science. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it does break down to a numbers game. Um, but what's happened, or at least what we see happening, is there are technologies that have been developed either for sales or, let's say, for marketing, 
Um, and probably a lot of the emails you receive from that conference are being sent by some sort of marketing automation oh, system. A sales right? automation, yeah. They, they yeah, or, been, or, they exactly. set up a cadence, and I've, I'm, I'm receiving it on a certain schedule. I know that. Yeah, or they'll just throw something in there, and it just keeps coming, keeps coming out to you. But at that point, it's more of, okay, you know, th- that I think is, is really a leadership issue of, right, should we just be blasting everybody mindlessly? And so that, no matter what technology you use, I think that's driven by, by leadership. But part of that is also that good technologies don't exist to help you um, be able to balance the two. Because it's always been some sort of a trade-off between, okay, do I just, you know, personal, personalizing takes so much time, and then making sure I'm following up with folks takes so much time that I've got to hit my numbers. Um, and so we revert to tracking activity, and we'll just say, all right, well, great, let's mm-hmm. just blast everybody and something will happen. And so our view is that there is actually, by developing better technology, you can create a balance between the two and that you can get further along in the middle instead of having to make a choice, a binary choice between one or the other. So uh, how, how have you done that? Sure. So one way, again, I think part of it, it's not just technology. A big part of it just starts with leadership and strategy. And so we'll, you know, from that perspective internally, we will create different tiers and say, um, let's say for tier one, for however you want to categorize that for yourself, we will, you know, that's, those are the ones we spend a lot of time doing research and personalizing and customizing um, for tier two. We may dial back a little bit because that part of it does take a lot of time. Now, I think, you know, over, over time, um, technologies, will, software technology will get better through artificial intelligence that can help do that. But today we still view that very much as a human process. And uh, for that, we may be focusing a little bit more on just making sure the message is relevant. And so if we can understand, you know, based, even based off title and company size, you can make a guess on what types of problems that person faces. And so if you can be relevant in terms of the messaging, you may not, to be, you may not need to be as personalized, right? Like, hey, I noticed we both have X number of people in common or you went to this school because um, really what you care about is your problems. So if I can speak to that, that will probably go longer or, or a longer distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then there's, you know, then there's, let's say the tier three where it's really generic and we try really not to get down to that level too much. Cause that's where I feel like, you know, there are a lot of the same messages you and I have received from that conference. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause I really do think this is really the sort of the, the central issue because I think at some point and yeah, I've done some work on this, but I mean, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a tipping point where, you know, the blasted out model that's coming in the sales development side of inside sales is, is going to change. It's going to be by necessity. It's going to change. I mean, the, the customer base is the potential customer base is going to be exhausted and there's going to be this huge, there's going to be a huge opening for somebody that finds what the recipe is to sort of do what you're, you're doing, Mm -hmm. which is how do we truly personalize in a way that's, you know, um, you know, a little bit more scalable, but maybe not. Yep. May we give up aspirations of being quite as scalable as we are now in terms of the outreach? Because, quite frankly, yeah, it is a numbers game. But I, when I was selling in sort of the prime of my career, when I was working for other companies, you know, I had a different approach that was incredibly effective, as I worked with as few prospects as possible. Mm-hmm. That was a numbers game too. But the numbers yes, are real different because my number was I was going to win 80% of my deals every time, a qualified prospect. Yeah. 
dogs can be satisfied and with most SaaS companies you know the benchmarks are around 30 right 30 35 percent opportunity win rate out of the pipeline well that's completely different dynamic i'd rather i'd rather be in a position to say yeah let's let's always how do we position ourselves to always win 80 no i think i think that's a great point and and i think you know we talked a lot about um very high level on yes the personalization piece is important um one of the things at least the way we've approached it is you know both in terms of our process but in terms of um, the software and the technology we're building is that number one we believe there is a danger in too much automation um, we've actually written some quite quite a few blog posts on this and content on this mm-hmm. and i think you're, you're right as you know new software is being built that's making it too easy almost too easy for people to you know individual salespeople to just be blasting emails out and to your point there are there actually are a lot of risks to that um, including exhausting the customer base, but also negative experience with the brand. Um, and so I think that's not talked about as much. Yeah, well, so to one, me, that's part of the exhaustion factor. Yep. So one thing we, we think about a lot is there is actually, you know, in, in all of this technology that's being built and, you know, everything on top of the CRM and sales automation, there actually is a very critical and core human element to the sales process that should not be automated. And in fact, we believe that should be protected, preserved, um, and amplified as much as possible. And the way you do that is you try to automate and, and, and make eff- effective everything else around it. And so one clear example of that, right? I know this, this is all very high level, but one very specific example of that is even within the own software, the software we've built and that we use, is you know we look at what are the core things that separate great salespeople from good ones. And that could be, you know, look, just, just take a look at the cold emails you receive. Right? And I know you do this, Andy. I do this a lot. We mm-hmm. geek out on this stuff all the time. Um, but I guess to everybody else listening, what is a truly great message you received? Right? Maybe you didn't need that product or service, but you said, Hi, you know, this was actually, they caught my attention. And so that's understanding your, your prospect. It's understanding their problems, their motivations, um, their priorities, and being able to speak to that. And so the challenge that, frankly, we faced before building Persist IQ, and we see a lot of other organizations facing, is they are so bogged down by activity and just making sure that they hit that, making sure that if they reached out to people, they, you know, are they following up? And just so then your second email just becomes a, hey, just checking in. Did you get this email? That part of it is incredibly difficult to do. So you have less time to focus on those parts that we consider really matter, right? Doing that extra little bit of research on the prospect, crafting that right message, maybe finding an, an intro in through somebody, maybe mentioning something interesting that's happened to them. Um, and so, you know, the software, at least that we've built, helps reps do that. And the way it helps them do it is by solving the execution problem with, you know, really intelligent follow-ups, really smart safety checks. Um, so you, even before you reach out to somebody, you'll know, has anybody on my team ever contacted them before? So you're not accidentally reaching out to somebody that, you know, one of your, one of your colleagues is reaching well, out to. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I remember, gosh, my first job out of school, I was selling in the East Bay area, San Francisco Bay area. And I was selling door to door in businesses and selling, I don't date myself. I'm not sure I'll say what I was selling, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember going into this one prospect's office and older guy, he was very nice, very genteel, you know, sat me down on the side of his desk and, and first thing he did is he opens his right hand desk drawer and pulls out the stack of business cards. It's probably 35 business cards from people from my company that had been there before. 
Hmm. He says, you know, I haven't bought from any of those people. Why am I going to buy from you? <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I, I think, you know, spend, spending that time on the right activities makes a big difference. And so, um, you know, that's where it, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just taking a look at the activities that make a difference and being able to have time to spend on those. And then, but once you dig into that, it's sales is actually very complex. It's not, you know, there are lots of different things that happen. Um, so you need, you know, even with all this new technology that's coming out, some of it is frankly just too rigid. And that could be the danger of having too much automation is you can't go in, let's say if a trigger happened where, you know, you have a prospect that you're reaching out to and you happen to, you know, run into somebody at a conference that knows that person, right? And mm -hmm. so can you adapt to that trigger? Or let's say there's some really interesting news that came out about a product that company just released mm -hmm. or, or somebody you know that joined that company. So I think it's, it's a really hard balance to strike between having technology that's really um, auto, you know, automated and effective, but also has that flexibility where you, know, you are still in the driver's seat and you can control it. Yeah, and I think it's important to rem remind people that are listening to this that we're really still fundamentally talking about the real top of funnel activity, which is you know, gaining that initial sales conversation with a prospective buyer. Yes. And that's why I said it, it you know, early on, it's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of noise kind of in the space of everybody, you know, you look at it can, and it can be overwhelming. Um, you know, you think, great, I've got a CRM system and, you know, that, that should be enough, but, but it really isn't right. That's really just your a database for, for the, for the most part. Yeah. It's your, um, it's your ante. Yeah. Table stakes. And, and then there's everybody else saying, well, you know, oh, we help you close deals or with this software, you close more deals. And, you know, we took, looked at it from a different approach and said, what's a very specific job that we're trying to solve here for ourselves and eventually for, um, for our customers. And right now that's just helping them get more qualified conversations, right? Let's start with that first. And then once you do that incredibly well, then there's a lot of different places you can expand into, but that problem on its own can impact everything else further down the funnel. Because as you you know, you know mentioned earlier, your strategy was, your numbers game was making sure you are talking to the right people. Mm -hmm. And so if you get more shots basically on goal with qualified people, that will have great results further down the funnel. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're getting more shots on goal with people that are qualified to an extent. Exactly. And you, they have, the account execs then have to do a much better job of, of further qualification. But yeah, and, at least they're, on, they're worth the first conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And and part of that just means disqualifying people, right, after that first call. And I remember oh, when, you know, what I was doing before per having Persist IQ, you know, again, I tried and there was a lot of like email tracking solutions and what have you. Um, I just, none of them worked well for me. So I just went back to an Excel spreadsheet where I was managing about two to 3,000 leads in that and just regular mail merge. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. But, you know, I'm the data side of me, I was tracking every single thing I was doing. So every day I was sending a hundred emails to people through mail merge. And I was writing, you know, in my Excel sheet, I had a, a column that was for a customized um, sentence. So I do a little bit of research on each person and then I would track right, who I sent it to, what time, what day, what, uh, um, you know, what subject line and I had different variables for that. And I tried to track, all right, as you know, I, it was easy to send that out, but what was incredibly difficult was, okay, what happened after I click send? Some bounced, some replied, some were out of office. And so I was manually taking every response that came to my inbox, <laughs> updating my spreadsheet. And what I quickly realized was, wow, you know, sending out your first, you know, reaching net new people was relatively easy because you just click send, you had 100 people in. But the most important part, which is persistence, 
was nearly impossible, right? If you imagine at, reaching out to 100 new people every single day and then trying to do a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth touch point to all of those people, it's 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 impossible to do it manually. Well, um, the numbers, so, the numbers, we're talking about numbers. The numbers add up and become overwhelming very quickly. Exactly, exactly. And so I remember at, I was just struggling to get maybe two touch points in. Um, and people were dropping, you know, falling through the cracks left and right. I was accidentally reaching out to people I had reached out to before. Um, and so when we built that first version of Persist IQ, that's what it helped do is I never had to worry about following up again. Right. Because I could go in and say, all right, I'm going to do five, five touch points. And if somebody responds, they're automatically taken out. If they bounce, they're automatically taken out. If it's an out of office, out of office or automated reply, well, they'll keep going. And so the, what I saw was just by getting to five or six touch points, um, I was able to double my conversion rate on responses. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, just by that one little activity, you get double shots on goal, huge impact. And, you know, I even have people say, thanks for your persistence. And I've saved some of those emails, right? Um, you know, because people are busy. Now, again, you're not, there, there's a whole art to this. There's a strategy. So you're not just pestering people with, hey, just checking in, hey, just following up. You really want to try to add value at every single touch point, which I feel like, you know, hopefully I was doing, but it was really satisfying to receive that message from somebody and saying, hey, you know, sorry, I haven't responded. Thanks for your persistence. Why don't we set up a call next week? Well, I think, and let's explore that a little bit more. We're going to take a short break for a sponsor's message, but um, yeah, I want to talk about that, uh, the value on every touch point, because that's an important concept for people to understand. So yeah. be right back with my guest, Puyan Salehi, in just a second. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. All right, welcome back with my guest from Persist IQ, Puyan Salehi, co-founder, CEO of Persist IQ. Um, yeah, I'd so... In my second book, Amp Up Your Sales, really led with this whole concept and of every sales touch, every sales interaction has to be able to deliver something of value to the prospect. Because that then becomes sort of their benchmark for measuring, not just are they interested and curious in terms of what you say, but am I going to invest? I have to make a decision, a conscious decision to invest more time in you. So what's, what's the return on that investment going to be? And it seems to be part of what's missing and unreasonably so, which is crazy for so much of this uh, sales development activity is taking place. The cadences that are set up, the sequences set up that it's so easy to, to put something in there that a personalizes it and B actually gives the customer something of value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be a link to a white paper. It could be a link to a research report. It could be a PDF that you attach. That's part of it. Something there. You want, well, you have this opportunity if you're doing these you know, whatever number of touch points you're going to do before you put them back in the nurture pile, mm -hmm. five, six, seven, if you train the customer over the course of those emails that there's something in that for them, if they open yeah. it, well, they're much more likely to open up the next one. Yeah, 
I, I'm, I completely agree. And I think it's, um, you know, the, the open part's important. Uh, and, and that's frankly something else we've seen is that's slowly starting to change with, with some of this new technology um, that's being built and, and sales teams are using like Persist IQ, like we're, what we're doing here is the metric that, that people are measuring is changing. Um, before it was all around our open rates. Let's look at this. Are, are people opening our emails? Whereas now we can actually track response rates and we can track those response rates over touch points. You can say, great, you know, open rates, maybe they're not all that accurate. Um, they're good, I think, in my opinion, best directional indicators. Mm-hmm. But you can actually look at, are we getting responses, which is your end result anyway, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that that's an important piece. But, you know, I think... You, you bring up a very interesting point here on adding value at each touch point. And one way that at least we like to do it is it starts before you even write the message. It starts before you even set up that, that you know, what we call a campaign or, 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 or a cadence. Um, it starts with figuring out who you're reaching out to and, and really understanding, do you understand that persona, that buyer, that, you know, whatever it is you want to call them. But at the end of the day, it's a person. And that person has a job to do. And so if you can truly get in and understand what that person's priorities are, what that person's problems might be, or what that person is motivated by. And if you start at that point, so, you know, let's say if you're reaching out to, um, you know, you're building, you're selling a software solution and, you know, you have to get it. I mean, you could go in at the VP level, director level, manager level, or maybe even an end user level. Each one of those will have a different set of those things. And so what, one thing we like to do is really spend some time mapping that out, writing out the different things that, you know, those pain points prior, are the problems, the priorities and the motivations. And then once you have that figured out, then you can start writing, you know, even in bullet points, just like what those responses could be, what the messaging could be against one of those. And once you have that as a framework, as the foundation, then getting to seven, eight touch points becomes easy because you can start off with talking about one one major problem or priority that that person might have. And then you can send one, you know, just one surface or, hey, I know you're busy and wanted to make sure you saw my email. And for the third touch point, you're not, you're not just at a loss of, all right, well, do I just keep checking in? Maybe you share some interesting content and it could be something you've written or frankly, it could just be something that somebody else has written, but you know is relevant to that person and you share that content piece, like you mentioned. And then you can do that again. And then for your, what are we on now? Like the fourth touch or fifth touch point, then that's when you talk about maybe another problem or a priority or motivation and then one or mm-hmm. two follow-ups on that. So I think it's a, it's a different way to think about, okay, over let's say the span of seven touch points over three weeks, um, how can I... You know, and again, all we're talking about here is email. There, I, I think it's very important to diverse, have what we call channel diversification, and leverage is you know the different channels. And by channels, I mean phone, which everyone here is hopefully doing as well. Um, but maybe social channels are relevant. Maybe direct mail is relevant. Maybe mm-hmm. a postcard. Um, but if you were just to stick with one of those, each one of those, the way you can think about it is, how do I add value through this? Right. Yeah, I should. <laughs> About four years ago, I should send you this blog post I wrote about four years ago called Value-Based Persistence. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you designed oh, your product. Sounds like you designed your product around it. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like <laughs> amazing. You know, but and you bring, you bring up an interesting point with that is that none of this is in a way new, right? It, it's, it's one of those things that, that we, when we talk to, you know, we talk to a lot of different salespeople, but when we talk to the ones that, we feel like are really the, be- the best at their craft, they're already doing this, mm-hmm. 
right? They're, well, they're that's, already, right, they're that's already the doing this. So much of the sales automation that's coming out right now is what it's doing. It's automating bad behaviors. Yes. So that's what exactly. So that's <laughs> and, where, where, where that's, we think. That's the thing that's so frustrating about it. And especially when you sit in a conference like Saster and hear people, you know, talk about personalization and all, and I'm just, you know, if, if my eyes made a sound when I rolled them, rolled them, you know, it would have been <laughs> audible throughout the entire entire presentation hall because it's just not happening. Yeah, and and you know, like I said early on, it's becoming almost too easy. And I'm glad you, the way you brought it up was interesting. Is maybe just to stick to one channel because it's just so much easier just to keep sending emails. But the important thing to remember, and that's why early on I said. You know, one of our philosophies is there's a core human element to the sales process. It's not anything new. It's already, it's existed for an incredibly long time. It currently exists and it will continue to exist. No, what's people different? still buy from people. They yes, don't buy from automation. Yeah, yeah. We talk about online exactly. e-commerce, but that's a different thing. We're talking business to business sales. People still buy from people. And that's really the focus of, of everything I do in my work. It's, yeah, fine. Yeah. Go get a yeah, lead, exactly. get, a, get somebody, get a conversation. Once you have that conversation, now what do you do? Because yep. that's where the rubber meets the road because you can have that first meeting. But if you don't understand how a person sells to a person and helps them make a decision, then you just you're lost. Yeah. And even getting that first meeting, right, I think is the important part of, of thinking about how, you know, when you think of how you get that, it's really thinking about all the different channels you have accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And and the, the point of a great solution, in our opinion, is what helps somebody do that more effectively. Right. Or if they're not doing something right now, maybe they it was too cumbersome, right? Because it frankly is very cumbersome. If, you know, sending an email is relatively easy today, making a phone call relatively easy, but, you know, doing follow-ups is hard. So we've solved that problem. And then the next one is, well, how can I enable somebody to maybe send a postcard with one click mm -hmm. as, as part of a as part of a workflow or maybe take some sort of other action and so and do that consistently um and, and across a large number of prospects and so that's where we can start enabling people to do more but it starts with their strategy and their creativity to think about great you know for this prospect let's say if i'm reaching out to um to jen for example i know that she's really not that active on social right doesn't maybe has a twitter profile and you know, everyone talks about social selling, but if she's not active on Twitter and maybe not really that active on LinkedIn either, maybe that's not the best channel, right? Maybe a, a, a handwritten note would really resonate. And so that's where I think you just need the technology to help an individual salesperson um, be able to do all of these things and then right. do those at scale. So that's really what we meant by, or what I mean by personalization at scale. Yep. No, excellent. Great. Okay. We're going to, that's great content. Uh, We'll give people an opportunity later to hear where they can find out more about that. In the meantime, we're going to move to the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one's a hypothetical scenario, actually. So you've just been hired in this scenario. You've just been hired as the new sales leader for a company whose sales have stalled out. And for whatever reason, and they need to get unstuck. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Interesting. Um, just, just two things, <laughs> two things, well, two things have the biggest impact. You only got a week too. So two things, two things. Okay. Um, well, you know, I, again, we, there, there are many different ways you can approach this depending on the, the product or depending on the company, but if sales have stalled out, I think that could either mean, you know, are we selling to the right segment? Um, so I think there are external things that I'd look at and then internal things. So what I, and I the internal, I'd, I'd look at kind of the, the internal structure, the team, 
um, the positioning, and then external is who we're selling to. So let's just start with external for a second. Um, I would just basically look at that, say, who are we selling to and why? Because it could be a simple problem as we are just, you know, for whatever reason, we, we just fell into a rut and we're just going after the same prospect profile and never really thought about, do we expand to that? Is that even the right customer to sell to? Um, or is there an adjacent market that we could potentially go to? And so I think that's something that you could easily do, frankly, in a day or two. Um, so accomplish that in the first week. And second would really be looking at the team. And saying, you know, are we selling, you know, is the team selling the product in the right way? Are there, um, are, is there just low-hanging fruit? Are they not following up with people? Um, whether you're getting inbound leads or whether they're, um, you know, they're in the actual closing process once you have an opportunity. We've seen all, there, there's just so much room for effectiveness on that in, in the companies that we've worked with. So those are, I think those are the two simple things that I would start that are achievable within a first week. Okay, great answer. Okay, so now I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me one-word answers if you want, <clears throat> excuse me, or you can elaborate. So when you're selling, what's your most powerful sales asset? Understanding the customer. Name one tool you use for managing sales at Persist IQ that you can't live without. I feel like for us, it's a trick question because I'm going to say Persist IQ. We, we use our own software to sell, sell our own software. All right. Uh, yep. Okay. Eat your own dog food. Good. Who's your sales role model? Ooh, great question. Um, I don't have an individual. There's not one role model, but there are different people that, um, and uh, you know, no, no famous names, but just people I've picked up on that I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone would hear that I've really, really picked up one or two things from them. Um, but one of the most important ones was when you're talking to somebody, just listen, right? You're asking the right questions and listening. And uh, that that's one thing I learned early, early on in my sales career that, that I think um, is obvious, but, but really stuck with me. It wasn't obvious up front. It was only after actually listening to myself that I realized that. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. That's a, it's such a, that one always resonates so well with me because I heard a, heard a talk somewhere, I forget what it was, it's been somebody I think that actually I'd interviewed earlier. Um, and, you know, they said that all you got to do when really be successful sales is just be human, right? So mm -hmm. think about it a second, if you were put into a room with another stranger, you didn't know each other, and they sat down across from each other, no one gave you any instructions at all about what to do when you were in this room, would you stand up and give a five minute talk about yourself? Or would you ask them a question? So why would you do anything different in sales, right? Your first opportunity to meet somebody new and in sales, we train people to stand up and talk about themselves. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So what's one book you recommend every salesperson read? Oh, there's a, I, I, a, a lots one. of ones out there. Yeah. Um, again, I'll come back to uh, question-based selling. This is one I read early on sure. when I was first getting, yeah. Yeah, first getting into sales. Yeah, a good book, actually. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, author's name, we'll, to, we'll look it up. It'll be on the website. I think it's Ken Freeze, I think, something like that. Um, all right, here's a tough one. What music's on your playlist? Well, my daughter's taking over my phone, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not indicative. So, of wait, wait, so I you're going to blame this on her. <laughs> 
the Frozen soundtrack. No, um, the yeah, I, I'd say a lot of. Uh, I actually grew up in in Minnesota, and there's a lot of great hip hop. Yeah, um, from Minnesota, yeah, Prince so about, yeah. and all that's Prince. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and atmosphere and a lot of different um, a lot of different groups there. So tend to listen to that quite a bit. Okay, what's the first sales activity you do every day? Prioritize. And last question for you: the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople is. How do I do more than two touch points? <laughs> and your answer is? <laughs> is use persist IQ. Perfect. Uh, Good. Well, we can end on a commercial. That's perfectly fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you for being on the show today. My guest, Puyan Salehi, CEO of Persist IQ. Puyan, how can people find out more about Persist IQ? Yeah, and, and thanks again, Andy, for having me. This was, oh, uh, my this pleasure. was a pleasure. Yeah, this was a pleasure. Um, so www.persistiq.com. Um, that's you know our, our website. We also have launched a free some free resources that I think people might find helpful. Um, so one of those, if you go to generator.persistiq.com, um, there you can find you know we've launched some free email templates, um, but in a series of five touchpoint email templates. So that could be a starting point for people. Um, and we're going to be releasing a lot more of these you know just free tools to help salespeople be be more effective. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for joining. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one of the things you can do in that regard is listen to this podcast first thing in the morning on the way to work and your gym. Uh, actually, a lot of companies now are using it to, for their daily sales huddle is listening to this podcast. So if you do that, then you make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Puyan Salehi, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your sales. So Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.